frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer, Gamble. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. I raised that boy since he was the size of a pissant, and I'll say right now, he never learned to read and write. No, sir, had no brains at all, was stuffed with rice pudding between the ears, shortchanged by the Lord, and dumb as a jackass. Look at him now. Yes, sir, all you've got to be is white in America to get whatever you want. Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio, the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday, and I'm Brandon. And I'm Lewis. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Lewis and I alternate picking a film for both of us to watch and discuss. Today, I picked the film from 1979, Being There, directed by Hal Ashby, starring Peter Sellers and Shirley MacLaine. What up, Lewis? Hello, how are you, Brandon? (laughs) I'm doing good, man. Good. You doing good? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about this film with you. I feel like there's going to be a lot for us to talk about. Definitely, yeah, me too. It was not the film I expected it to be. Me neither, yeah. It took me a while to kind of... (laughs) to ease into it i guess i know we're going to talk about this but there was a lot that um i was like okay i, I i'm starting to get it now you yeah know? exactly yeah but before we discuss the movie uh both of us would just like to thank everyone who's been listening to the podcast and sending their love for the show um it really means a lot to both of us to hear from everybody and to get feedback now that you know the podcast is kind of in full swing um Again, you can find us on social media platforms uh, at Film Church Radio. Um, you can leave us a message or a comment on any of those platforms and let us know what you think of the show. We'd love for you to rate and review the show. Um, whatever podcast service you use, you can leave us a, a rating and review. And um, yeah, thanks everybody. It's been yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's been great. And we've been starting to get reviews um, on like Apple Podcasts, which is really helpful. It just means more people can like find us and kind of join in with the communal experience of what we're trying to build. So thank you very much to Neil and thank you to Chelsea for your reviews. It means a lot to us. And yeah, um, if you want to leave us a review, tell us um, what you think of the film that we've been reviewing. Just log on to wherever you listen and just, you know, write that review for us. That'd be great. We want to know what you're thinking. And we also are going to start uh, trying out a new section of the show right before we get into the main feature that we're talking about today we're just going to do quick reviews of um stuff that we've been watching or stuff that listeners want to know what we think about but we're not going to do like a whole episode on this particular film or anything like that we want to shout out jackson today who wanted to know what we thought of the film matrix resurrections now i'm a big fan of the matrix uh it was the original matrix was my favorite film for a long time. Wow. So I was looking forward to this movie, but I was also very skeptical. Um, Have you seen The Matrix, Lewis? No, I have (laughs) not seen any of The Matrix. Um, Well, I lied. I have seen, I I watched part of, I can't remember which one it was, um, at a friend's house when I was very small. And it was, was there some kind of like chase or fight on a bridge? in one of the films um because i remember i think that one wait 
because I remember something like that happening and being like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've never watched them, you know, critically. I'm, try- I'm trying to think, like the, the, I don't remember there being a bridge. There probably is at some point, but that there's like a big fight in the second one on uh, 18 wheelers. That probably it. Yeah, that's probably yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I know that um, there was a lot of driving and stuff, but yeah, um, that stuck with me. But every, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. not, I haven't watched them. At, well, I'm going to try to keep this mostly spoiler free and this is going to be yeah. quick, but, um, you know, I was kind of halfway there for matrix resurrections halfway, like, eh, we didn't really need this. Um, yeah. It was cool seeing Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss back. I mean, that that's the main part of the film that I was there for, just seeing them back and yeah. like their love story, which is kind of um, secondary mostly throughout the films. I mean, it's more mm-hmm. it's more there in the third film, but uh, you know that that this film goes into it more and and just kind of how they're destined to be together, which is cool. And they do this whole, this is going to kind of get into spoilers a little bit here, but they do this whole meta thing where Neo is now hooked back up into the Matrix and doesn't know that he's Neo again. And okay. he he is the creator of this Matrix trilogy video game. Okay. And then throughout the uh, beginning of the film, they're showing clips. It's supposed to be clips from the video game, but it's just clips from the movie. And... Um, so he, everything he knows about the matrix, he thinks he created in a video game. Wow. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) And then, and then Trinity is there as a character, but she's, you know, they're not, they don't know each other. He's kind of like a creep because he based this character off of this woman that he sees in a coffee shop that he doesn't know, but they're actually in love and destined to be together. That's kind of the, the thing of the movie. So, um, it was really strange, and they even went as far as to being like, uh, Warner Brothers wants a new trilogy, and they're going to do it with or without us. <laughs> That's one Jeez, of the okay, lines fair in the enough. movie. Yeah. So, you know, it like off the bat, it was just like, what is going on? Like, they're what are they yeah. doing? You know, it was really yeah. weird. But, um, but I'm a big Matrix fan, and like, you know, it's cool to just see these characters back. I wish that, you know going the meta route that they had just gone all the way with it. Instead of doing a video mm-hmm. game, just literally make him Keanu Reeves, the actor who played yeah. Neo in these movies and, you know, just make it our universe. And we're like, our universe is the matrix, you know, yeah. um, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about here, but I basically gave it a two and a half out of five. So okay. literally I was halfway there for it. Um, yeah. I don't know if they're going to do any more. I think, so they did um a few years after the third film they did this uh animation film called the animatrix which was like um a bunch of short films done in different animation styles based in the matrix universe that was okay. really really good and i think if they had done that with this movie it wouldn't be getting as much hate like if it was a cartoon okay. or something yeah. like that that was like here's an, a cool concept you know mm-hmm. um but because they, you know, they brought the actors back and then they also didn't bring all of the actors back. Like Morpheus is played yeah. by somebody else. I mean, he does a good job, but, you know, it's just, it's weird. 
yeah i suppose when you bring original cast back there's a certain level of expectation by everybody to for it to actually you know live up to the hype yeah. and i feel like matrix is one of those films that everybody talks about loving that first one but then the rest have been like meh whatever yeah. you know they're yeah. not they and the first one just the first one just had so much impact i mean on on like cinema but also just the concepts and ideas about it uh, yeah. of what the matrix is um we're all very new like virtual reality and stuff like that which is kind of i mean way more mainstream now i mean the the internet was still in its infancy back then yeah. you know and then um yeah so it's just a totally different time so it's uh yeah we've we've got all these expectations that we put on these films and you know sometimes it doesn't always live up but just as a matrix fan it's like it was cool to see it yeah you know Mm -hmm. um i would have been just as fine if they hadn't made it so yeah (laughs) yeah but i feel that way about a lot of films (laughs) yeah exactly yeah so is there anything you've been watching this week that that really stood out to you yeah i've I mean, I've had a pretty decent week. So obviously being there, and then I watched um, the Ben Affleck, The Tender Bar on Uh Amazon Prime, directed by George Clooney. Um, And it was fine. You know, it was very kind of, um, I call them like Sunday afternoon films. It's not really over, you know, it won't change your worldview or anything like that. Um, But it it was a fun way to pass an hour and a half. Yeah. and then I watched Brian De Palma's Blowout, which I absolutely oh, nice. loved. I thought Sweet. that was really great. Um, so, yeah, they were the ones I watched this week. Um, Blowout had been one that I'd been wanting to watch for a while. So Yeah, same here. Glad I finally ticked that off. Cool, man. Yeah, what about Thank you? you. Um, I, I did watch a lot of films last week, right before we recorded, but we didn't talk about any of them. But then I also yeah. watched Licorice Pizza, Oh. a couple of days ago in a theater and i'm really glad i went and see it, to see it in a theater and we'll probably talk about it you know in our quick reviews next week because i know you're yeah. going to see it yeah on monday uh, yeah so we'll get into that yeah but today what you know you guys are here for being there yeah here for being there that's right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you for being here <laughs> exactly um this was a this was a really good movie. Uh, yeah. I liked it a lot. I like I said I didn't know. I'll just say real quickly what I thought the movie was going to be before we, you know, start talking about it. But I thought it was yeah. going to be um, a film just kind of about life and death, and and the and the journey of life, like just yeah. just from like the poster and the name, and I guess the. Um, you know, knowing that this was like Peter Sellers' last movie and he died like a, you know, the year after this was made. Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be like a very poignant film about life and death. Yeah. And uh, that's not what it is. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a comedy. Yeah. It's, it's and... like a, a satire comedy about. America. Society. Yeah. yeah. America and society and yeah. And uh what did you, what did you think? So like I said at the top of the show, it took me about half an hour to really kind of sink into it a little bit. At first I wasn't quite sure 
what kind of comedy it was reaching for. I didn't know if I was allowed to laugh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because my big worry is as soon as the character was introduced and you realize that he is, you know, um, a bit of a man child, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know the correct way to phrase that. Um, I get worried. I think yeah. instantly of Tropic Thunder and Ben mm-hmm. Stiller's, yeah. you know, I, I'm like, please, like, like it's got to be handled well. You know, yeah. and and so it took me a while to really kind of sink into it and be like, okay, I'm, you know, these things are actually funny. I can laugh at these things. Um, and in no short part, that was down to Peter Sellers' um, performance. I thought he was magnificent. I thought it was such a good, reserved piece of acting. Yeah. Um, that the character, you know, he was sympathetic, but he was also, you weren't laughing at him which I thought was really important. There was no point yeah. that I was like, this is a bit mean-spirited, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, it wasn't ex- It wasn't how I thought it was going to be at all, from the poster yeah. and from the blurb and stuff like that, because I hadn't really heard much about it, and it, the poster I recognized. But it to me, it just it, I felt like it was going to be a gardener that was out on his own, like finding his place in the world, I guess. Yeah. And it kind of is like that, but I thought it'd be a lot more... Um grounded yeah yeah i kind of expected him to yeah i i was the same way like when as soon as you find out that he's you know um like you said kind of a man child that yeah he uh yeah that it was going to be done distastefully because that's yeah. i mean it's such it you know it's 1979 like you know it's not the most progressive time in our history and yeah because i guess now he would have been on the autism scale right yeah, probably something like that. And I kept thinking a lot about Rain Man in the first hour, like Hoffman's well, I performance. Seen Rain Man, so. Yeah, um, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman kind of, I don't know, there's a lot of similarities between the two characters. Yeah. You know, Dustin Hoffman is more, um, I don't know, he's more like exaggerated, I guess. Um, yeah. But for, the, you know, there was a lot of similarities between the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought he he did an amazing job with the character. He he was very, I mean, he was totally believable. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the Peter Sellers that we all know from like the Pink Panther and like, I mean, he's a comedy actor, right? Yeah. And he just disappears. Like yeah, you're not like, completely. oh, this is Peter Sellers playing this character. You're like, oh, this is this is Chauncey. Yeah. This is Chance <laughs> yeah. the Gardener. You know? Yeah. Um, it was so believable and he uh he based the character apparently i don't know if you read this or not um off of laurel from laurel and hardy mm-hmm. like the way um, he spoke and stuff yeah which i i you know i know you're big fans of i've actually yeah. never seen any, any of their stuff so yeah um i mean it's like it's st- like i guess supposed to be that character but without the slapstick yeah stan laurel was very much man baby in those kind of laurel and hardy okay. films you know ollie was the one that was kind of looking to camera like exasperated and stan was the one that was you know like sitting in the water crying or you know hitting someone over the head <clears throat> yeah so i can i can see it definitely i can see that comparison yeah um but yeah i thought he was great like it was like you said you don't you're never really you're not ever laughing at the character you're kind of laughing no. at everyone else yeah and how dumb everyone else is yeah you know yeah exactly um, and the, the thing i kept thinking of when watching this movie because uh 
you know, I just watched this like last week was a, the movie Don't Look Up, which just came out on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, which is also, you know, a commentary on American society. Yeah. And, um, you know, we might get into some spoilers on Don't Look Up here because I'm going to, um, you know, compare the two, I guess. Yeah. But um, uh, you, you watched Don't Look Up, right? I have. Yeah. I, I really yes. enjoyed it. I know it got a lot of like critically like critical flack i guess but yeah. no i thought it was great yeah i liked it i but i felt i really feel too close to it if that makes sense like i feel it, it's a commentary on america right now mm-hmm. you know what i mean and mm-hmm. it's hard to tell sometimes what you know it's it's hard to laugh at the tragedy i guess that yeah. that that you're experiencing in the moment you know, yeah. it's like yeah. you need some distance from it. To be, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, are we going to come out of this crazy time right now? Are, you know, mm-hmm. is America going to be better off in 20, 30, 40 years from now? Or yeah. is it going to, you know, are we going to look back at Don't Look Up and be like, this is uh, this is still a horror movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's it's, you know, I think I need some distance from it before I can really enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either going to age well or not, I guess that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and this movie, uh, being there, I think does age well, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same thing where it's commenting on American society and, uh, yeah, I think it does, does age really well. Yeah. No, agreed. I don't, there wasn't any point. That, I mean, there was some, um, depictions of people that was a bit like out of the past, um, yeah, but for the most well, part, yeah, that was, was that was the thing that well, you know, after the mental the health aspect of it, um, yeah. I uh, I then I started worrying like, you know, all of the the racism that's in the movie is yeah. like is is pretty in your face, and it you know it's hard to tell at first if this is trying to just point it out, yeah, you know, for the viewer. Um, or if it's ignorant of it, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, are, mm-hmm. are they trying to say something about the racism? Are they trying to say... That's that's the thing, I, I guess, probably that we both experienced watching this movie is in the beginning, it's hard to tell if the film was self-aware mm-hmm. <laughs> of I, all I, these things that it was putting in it, you know? And I think it I, is. I think but, it is too. I think that, that the cold open that we did, the quote at the top... I think that was when when Louise, the character, said that. I was like, "Okay, they know. They know." Yeah, what exactly. Doing. Yeah, they and know. I had the same thought. Yeah, it was like, "Okay," because I, you know, this whole time they they do they were saying a lot about black people, but it was yeah. all coming from like a white perspective. Yeah, and then uh, and then it was like finally they gave Louise like her line, and I was like, yeah. "Okay, cool." They gave her you know something to say. Yeah, um, and so that was really good. Uh, but yeah. Um, what do you think the name means? the t- The title of the the movie means. Um, I think it could mean anything. I think you know it's. I think it could be a play on the not all there. You know when when people are a bit kind of mm, yeah. You know it's not all there, but he everyone is assuming that he's there. Um, yeah. But then part of it is he was just in the right place at the right time. Yeah. You know he was just there. Um, and these things happened to him and he wasn't chasing them. He didn't want this to happen, 
but by the end of the film like i mean everyone knows we're going to get into spoilers but yeah like (laughs) presidential candidate living in a mansion got a wealthy you know woman by his side um (laughs) he's hit the jackpot you know it's it's the american dream yeah and all you had to do was be there Um, yeah yeah exactly what i i figured the, the meaning was um but i like your other idea of it um not being all there but you know yeah but being there yeah i mean <laughs> that literally just came to me when you asked that question because the whole time oh, cool. that's like, a cool yeah that's yeah. cool i know I, yeah that's awesome um but i mean it's it's beautiful to look at though this film as a whole yeah. i think is just it's shot really well i really like oh, the yeah. compositions there's a lot of especially in the beginning when he's watching telly the way that it's framed is yeah. really nice um it's it's very slight i think which i liked a lot it was never showy or anything like that it kind of just just like the performances it was all very reserved and kind of yeah you know we know that this story is going to tell itself we don't need to like push you in any way yeah exactly Um, yeah it was yeah the cinematography was amazing and like the the scenes and the art direction and stuff like the you know there's not a lot going on except for the character and the the story you know it's like um you know there wasn't i mean they're they're in a mansion and stuff like that but they they did really well lighting the environment that they had like the silhouettes of him walking up to the front door yeah you know with a hat on and that kind of stuff was really cool like i I love those shots and that you know there's lots of just very well composed shots that are just like could be a drawing or something like that or a painting Mm -hmm. you know kind of like what we you were saying about badlands last week but this isn't landscapes it's like interiors yeah yeah and there's so much space like the the opening when he's in the house and he's kind of going around his daily routine before he finds out that the owners died i assume that that was the um the house that's on the poster you know the big mansion in the in the forest and everything so when he leaves that house because of how the space is done with the camera i was like wait where are we like is this the same place Right. You know, because he kind of it's all bricked up, and he's like in the middle of the, um, like just this derelict area. It's yeah, it's really well shot, like you said, and really kind of the yeah. composition's really great. They make a lot of the space they have. I mean, I guess that they had, or at least Peter Sellers had a lot of time to think about it because, um, it, apparently, it took him nine years to get the movie made by a studio. Yeah which is interesting. So um, I I guess it was mainly because his career apparently had hit rock, rock body, bottom and um, no studio would work with him. But then after the revival of the Pink Panther movies, um, they ended up green lighting the project. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it sounds like this is a movie that he just had in his head for a long time. Like he knew this was the role. Yeah that he wanted to play kind of, kind of like with, you know, um, Martin Sheen. uh, Yeah. With Martin Sheen, kind of like with Martin Sheen, uh, in Badlands, you know, knew that that was his role, you know, it was like the role that you're born to play or whatever. And I think that was kind of this for Peter Sellers, you know, uh, he did, he did an amazing job 
you know, and yeah. he he did get an Oscar nomination nomination, um, but he lost to Dustin Hoffman for Kramer versus Kramer, and mm. he. Peter Sellers said that he thinks it's because of the blooper scene at the end of the film during the credits. Yeah, I know we're going to talk about the ending a lot, but for me, the last, the credits and then the last minute and a half of the film didn't quite stick it. Yeah. You know, I felt we were, it was just like this really, it was getting to an emotional point. Like you could see what this film was trying to say and it was kind of paying off. And then that last bit, I was like, okay like like what like where's this come yeah. from you know yeah um and then with the blooper scene you know I, I was like okay we don't well the rest feels like i have to disregard it now it doesn't feel serious you yeah know? yeah i don't know I, I i get where he's coming from it did feel very out of place yeah well apparently it wasn't really up to him he tried to get that removed a lot of times and yeah. they, they wouldn't take it out and yeah mm. that's a shame yeah. yeah, it is. I, he probably would have won. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Um, Who knows? I mean, the whole time I could not believe that this was the same person that was Dr. Strange loving the wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's mind-blowing yeah. to me. Just the just the over-the-top, the the shouting and the, you know, insane leg movements he does in that performance compared to this. It's just, you know, any actor could have looked at this performance and been like, there's not enough there for me to kind of shine in this yeah. character you know that he doesn't really get i mean he has like the one emotional scene um towards the end but other than that he's got to be like monotone he's got to not show any emotion through the whole yeah. thing um it's a tough performance to pull off you know without being wooden and without yeah. you know not being able to buy it but he does it so well yeah i mean especially for a character that or for a person who, you know, society knows as being like Inspector Clouseau. Yeah. You know, and, you know, kind of just being this slapsticky, over the top comedian. Um, yeah. Yeah. To pull something like this off was, was cool. It was. Um, but I think on the whole, the whole cast did wonderful. Yeah. I think that it was just, you know, everyone was on their A game the whole, yeah. the whole way around. I don't, yeah. there was nobody that was kind of, sticking out yeah yeah as you like know, she, you don't you don't fit there yeah and i really like the um just the the tropes that you normally get being kind of like flipped a little bit you know you have like an 80 year old man who's dying with a, a wife who's half his age and like if i said that to you you'd be like okay I, like she's probably a gold digger she's probably there waiting for him to die and yeah. i didn't feel like that at all i felt you really felt that connection. You felt that this was a marriage, not just a relationship. Yeah. And that's, again, that's not easy to pull off. They didn't have that many scenes together. Right. Yeah. You know, but you could tell that, that those two characters were in love, yeah. you know, and that it was a, a modern love because she says herself that he's okayed the relationship between Chance and Eve. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those, you know, progressive relationships and she just wants that contact. Um, yeah. But I felt I found it so refreshing, dude. Like everybody is like over the age of thirty-five. Everybody <laughs> is like an adult in this film. You know, yeah. it's it's so great to like have these characters that you don't really see all the time. Yeah, yeah. Because most that's a good point. Yeah, because most films these days are like 
you know, if they're putting any money behind it, it's it's being targeted towards teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, know, exactly. Teen, teenage humor and and you know, just like the same tropes and things that work for teenagers. Yeah. And they just do it over and over again, but yeah, this is like a an A-list cast, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. a, a, you know, adult film, but it's not, you know, I think I'm sure it was rated R, but it's not like you know, it's not like a ton of cussing. It's not like a ton of, I mean, there's no nudity or anything like no. that. I mean, it's adult humor. There's lots of adult and suggestive humor in it, but it's not, you know, it's not that rated R cash grab either. You know, it's a no. very, yeah. like. Yeah, it's there for a reason. Everything is there to tell the story. Yeah, not just yeah. for like a punchline or something. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, yeah, I thought Shirley MacLaine was amazing in the movie. And I haven't seen her in a ton of stuff. I mean, I've seen her in... She's in one of my favorite movies ever, Bernie, um, mm-hmm. and she's a lot older in that because I was done in like 2012, I think. Yeah, but I haven't seen a ton of her films, and um, yeah, she was really good in this. And she was, you know, I'm I'm being more conscious of what I'm watching uh, lately because, well, especially if we're gonna be doing a podcast about it, but like you know, about halfway in the movie, or maybe more, I was like, she's good, but she's you know, she hasn't really done a lot, you know, she hasn't. Yeah. Been, done had any like good scenes that show off her acting or anything like yeah. that and then towards the end she, you really get into it because you've got the scenes where she's like trying to be intimate with chance mm-hmm. um and she's she's amazing yeah <laughs> she's, hilarious she's so good yeah 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 um, just that juxtaposition of like oh i'm shy and then next second rolling around on the yeah. floor <laughs> like it's just it's brilliant you know it's yeah. so good um yeah. Yeah, Shirley MacLaine, like, really stole it for me. Um, I love The Apartment, the Billy Wilder film that she's in with Jack Lemmon. Um, that was 19 years before this. So okay. 1960, you know. So the, it's a different part of the career is what I'm trying to say. Right, like, She's yeah. still as, like, luminous on the screen and, you know, like, playful and, you know, smart, beautiful. It's She's the whole package in this film. For yeah. me, I think that she was just wonderful. So great. Um, and, you know, her performance is very subtle too. I'm going to say that word a lot, I think. But especially when, you know, she first kisses Chance in the hallway and then she like coyly kind of backs down the hallway, but she's like, it's like a schoolgirl. It's, yeah. it's such a great well, kind of like way to portray that emotion of like oh you know excitement yeah, and exactly because it's like if there's so many points in this movie that that i was just like okay here's the moment where they figure out yeah that you know chance is not the person that they think he is yeah um so many times but every every single time and i guess i should have expected this maybe but like i i totally just bought into the whole thing every single time that you're like, oh, he now they're gonna figure it out. They, they don't. You know no. what I mean? And like that was one of those moments when she kisses him, where I'm like, he's not giving anything back to her. He's not showing no. any emotion or interest in this kiss at all. And she's still just like, you know, like you said, yeah. she's just like a little schoolgirl backing up and stuff. And it's like, and she sells it. You know, like yeah. all the actors like sell those moments to where you believe that, you know, they, not that they're. I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of the points in this movie, I think, is that everybody is supposed to be 
kind of stupid. <laughs> you know, they don't mm-hmm. they, they don't recognize um, what's really going on. But I didn't really feel that a lot of times. It wasn't like I thought the character was stupid. It's just like they're just oblivious, or you know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, because I think that yeah, a few times that you know when he is on those stages, you know, when he does the TV show, it's very obvious to us. You're like he's just talking nonsense but like there's a few times i was like but they are putting it together themselves you can tell that the interviewer is like so you're saying that this is that right america is the garden or whatever um and like it's totally believable that people would be like yeah yeah he's telling the truth you know yeah yeah but he's just talking about weeds (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love the part whenever um like the president, he's trying to get his he's trying to get Chance's background information, and one of the one of the people one of his people is just like um, the FBI and the CIA destroyed all of his background <laughs> files, and neither one of them will like like they're both denying Admit it. it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, like, I just love the like. Oh, we had his suit analyzed and. The place that it was made burnt down in 1922, and yeah. like his underwear, are 100% silk or whatever they say, but <laughs> they stopped making them in 1948. You know, it's just it's brilliant. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then we had, so actually, you know, we were talking about um, Melvin Douglas earlier, yeah, and and Shirley MacLaine. You know, they're they're the Melvin Douglas plays the. Um, the 80 year old gentleman who's like dying and Shirley MacLaine and his wife. Um, he won an Oscar for that role. Yeah, actually he got best supporting actor for that, which I was kind of surprised by. I mean, not that I didn't Same. think he did yeah. a great job. Like he, he was great, but um, you know, for all of the, you know, for him to get one, I guess. And like Peter Sellers and Shirley MacLaine, not, it's just kind of yeah. weird. You know, I mean, Shirley wasn't even nominated. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think when I think of like Oscar worthy performances, the memorable ones, right? That's right. what comes to my head. And I, d- I don't think his performance is going to be more memorable than Shirley MacLaine's or Peter Sellers. Yeah, but I mean, it, I mean, you got that warmth straight away. It is again, it's a tough role to play because again, he doesn't have a lot to do. He's either in bed or in a chair, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you get that kind of warmth and. Um, like the memorable scene for me with his character was whenever he does get out of bed for the first time and they're all having dinner together for the first time. Yeah. And he's, he's asking chance questions and stuff. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, that's, that's the part, I guess, to me that sticks out of where his character was shining a lot more. Yeah. Um, and then Jack Warden plays the president. Yeah. Impotent president. (laughs) He, uh, (laughs) he he's great like he's he's one of those people yeah. that i always love to see um yeah. and stuff you know um the thing that i that is most memorable to me um that he's been in is um uh, while you were sleeping which came out in the 90s yeah for some reason we grew up watching that movie so it's yeah. like he's like one of the grandpas um yeah, so I always love seeing him. It's like it's kind of like brings back my childhood anytime I see him. I know he's also in like an episode of The Twilight Zone, or maybe more than one, but there's an episode of The Twilight Zone where he's like trapped on Mars. 
isolated by himself. Huh. Um, and uh, yeah, always love seeing him. But, but but you know, and he's really good. You know, in the movie. Yeah, I do like how his character gets just reduced more and more. You know, he's kind of he's this presence, and then he shows up, and then he starts to get worried. And all the scenes after that just take place with him and his wife in bed and she's like is it me and he's like i don't yeah. know what it is like i don't like <laughs> i can't explain it and it's just it's just yeah. chancy chancy gardener <laughs> driving him crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just the winter it's just the winter time mr president you gotta wait until right. the spring yeah <laughs> to get busy <laughs> but um okay so there's another uh <laughs> cameo in this movie, I mean, it's not even supposed to be a cameo, but uh, when I saw this guy, he's just in one shot, and yeah. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's him. And I, I decided I wasn't going to ask you about it until the episode to see if you saw him too, but then you texted me as soon as you saw him, a picture <laughs> yeah. of him. <laughs> and it's an uh, actor named Ilya Baskin, who plays... Mr. Mr. Dikovich in yeah. Spider-Man 2 and 3. That's right. Um, it's the lips, dude. I don't know what to say. It's like the whole jaw. As soon as I see it, I'm just like, rant. You know, it's, it's him. Um, yeah. And he's not in it for very much, but... No, he's like, literally like the shot is like... I think the shot is of somebody exiting the room at this yeah. party. It's like a political... Um, dinner party yeah. and so the the shot is just panning you know across the room and literally he's just at the end of the shot like and he's just like drunk and he's yeah. just standing there <laughs> drinking and, and he's young as hell yeah like that was the other thing is like he's like 20 something or yeah something like that and i was like it's him because yeah because yeah, normally i have to kind of do a bit of digging and be like where do i know this person from but as yeah. soon as i saw him i was like yeah, dude, it's Spider-Man 2 and 3. I know who yeah. that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, our love for Spider-Man is seeping in everywhere. I know, everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, that was awesome. Um, so, so what did you... What? Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, what did you think of the music in the movie? I like the music a lot. Um, yeah. It was a nice break from the constant bombardment of television, um, yeah. which was very I, I felt like a lot of times i know they were commenting on you know america's kind of dependency on the television set but there's yeah. a lot of times that we we held on the television for a long time like the scene was would end and then it'd be like here's 20 seconds of sesame street or yeah. here's 20 seconds extra of the basketball jones song yeah, yeah. and it, it was kind of like okay like you know at the end of it, I was like, I've, I'm seeing enough television or, like, already, and we're only about an hour in. I don't want to see any yeah. more television. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but the music did, was a nice departure from it. From that, yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as, like, the television and stuff, it didn't bother me so much because it kind of helped me. It kind of, it kind of, it seems like it kind of helps frame the film a bit, you know? Yeah. It's like, because, you know, like for both of us going into it, we were like, what is this about? What are they trying to say? And like holding on the TV stuff kind of is helping shape what America, what, what you, what you can look at as America from an outside point of view, I guess, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, holding on to some of those kind of, I think we're helping commentate on it a, a bit is, especially the, um, 
the Basketball Jones song, which was like yeah. pretty racist. Yeah. And I was like, this has got to just be made up. Like, I this can't be real. Mm. And um, I looked it up, and it, I mean, it is real. And it yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a Cheech and Chong song. Cheech and oh, Chong God. wrote that. And that's Cheech singing. Oh, geez. <laughs> I was wow. like, what? And yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously very different time. Um, but, you know... Uh, so just to just to give a little like I I didn't deep deep dive into this but I did dive into it a little bit. Um, where did I put it? Yeah. So Basketball Jones was originally seen in theaters in 1973 bef- before showings of Hal Ashby's The Last Detail in, at select ah. screens. Um, it can be seen during the 1974 film California Split, directed by Robert Altman. Um, Let's see, and then uh, there's just a little bit more about that movie, but um, yeah, so yeah, it it was like shown before Hal Ashby's movie. I mean, it probably wasn't his choice. It was just like in select theaters. It was just like one of those pre-showing things. But then for him to take it and put it in this movie, it makes you wonder if he you know, didn't like that. Like he didn't like that it was shown before his movie. And then he was like, you know, because of its problematicness. And Mm -hmm. he was like, I'm going to put this in my movie to show how problematic it is. And that's one of those things that's hard to tell. It's like, are you like, is this supposed to be funny? Is this supposed to be you commenting on how terrible it is? Like, it's hard to, hard to tell, especially with older movies, but for me, it kind of did help frame how terrible America is. Yeah, especially, <laughs> you know? especially the point in the story in which it comes. You know, he he effectively escapes the ghetto and then right. arrives at this beautiful mansion. Yeah, and it's uh, for me, it was very poignant about where it was placed. Yeah, and the comment yeah. it was making. You know, um, yeah, yeah. It's I know what you mean, though. I don't know whether. It was it was supposed to be funny or not? I don't. I yeah. hope not. I really yeah, hope not. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. But I mean, as far as other music, like the the thing that really stuck out to me was the um, the song from two thousand one Space Odyssey. Yeah. Which you've seen, right? I have seen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's the opening song from two thousand one Space Odyssey, which is you know I'm sure a lot of people know, yeah. but it's funky. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it just comes twist. at a time when it's it's really cool because like the movie you know it's right at the beginning not right at the beginning but at the beginning of chance's journey of leaving the house yeah. you know being abandoned and having to leave this house and going out into the world and it kind of it kind of gets the tone of the movie going because at the beginning of the film you don't know you know i was expecting like this to kind of be just like a drama about life yeah. You know, I didn't know it was a comedy yet, but then once he goes out outside and you get like this funky 2001 Space Odyssey music going on, it was like, oh, this is cool. This is yeah. going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um And yeah, also about that. the dawn of man, right? Is the yeah. comment mm-hmm. on him kind of coming out of his primitive form, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, really um, well used and Yeah, definitely. Um when that starts playing it definitely makes you sit up. Because I was like, yeah. where is this kind of going? You know, he's being kicked out. And then that m- music came in. I was like, oh, here we go. 
This is going to yeah, be. Yeah. This is where we're kicking off. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, what well, did you think about the direction, especially Hal Ashby? I mean, where? Yeah. Like, is this the I mean, first Ashby film that you've seen, or it's not the very first? Um, yeah. And actually, I haven't seen Harold and Maude. No, you me know, neither. I haven't, I haven't seen like some of the signature films that he's known for, but yeah. I have seen Shampoo <laughs> yeah. from nineteen seventy five. Have you seen that? I haven't, but um, okay, it's on Criterion. I think I think I watched yeah, it on the it Criterion is. channel. Um, but Shampoo is, uh, you know, it was a really fun movie. Like I, yeah. I, I kind of just clicked on it uh, on Criterion. Uh, this was like, you know, within the last couple of years, I can't remember, but yeah. it's got War- Warren Beatty in it and Goldie yeah. Hawn. Um, Jack Warden is also in it. Nice. Um, Carrie Fisher makes an appearance. Hey, oh, and uh, and yeah, I really liked the movie a lot when I watched it. I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure what I was getting into, but yeah. it was it was a fun movie, yeah. Um, and so yeah, I haven't seen much of his other stuff. I guess Coming Home is another one that he's really well known for, which he won. No, wait, he did it win best film. It might have won Best Film. I think he was nominated for Best Director yeah. uh, for Coming Home, but lost to Michael Camino for uh, The Deer Hunter. Okay, okay. Um, but, and Hal Ashby, actually, he started out as an editor. He does mm-hmm. have an Oscar for editing, which he edited in the heat of the night Yeah, with the late, great Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Um, which so is ironic because sorry to cut you off, but this that was going to be, um, like one of the films that I've been thinking about to pick for this week. So, oh, really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, just because you know, of yeah, Sydney Poitier and yeah. kind of everything like that. But yeah, it was very weird when I saw that on the show notes. I was like, oh my gosh, you know. Yeah, it is. It is weird, but it's cool. I mean, he went from you know an editor to uh, uh, a director who's directed like super big classic films yeah. i mean um harold and Maude, like you know neither one of us has seen it but like it's it's just always talked about people people yeah. bring it up i constantly yeah. hear people bringing it up so you know we need to see it at some point yeah i was listening but, to a review of licorice pizza and they said that there's comparisons to be drawn with harold and Maude. um so you know oh, okay this is a little bit like life imitating what we're trying to do because i feel like someone's pushing me towards seeing that film now yeah um so yeah it's it's weird how these things work out but um in the criterion edition of being there which of course when you suggested it i had to buy um there's a great like little kind of piece about the film by mark harris who wrote um five comeback i think it's called the the book about the five directors that went to war in world war Two, and then spielberg either produced or directed the d- documentary on netflix about it okay. um which is really interesting um i think it's still on there but he wrote a piece and he said that like ashby is just the quintessential 70s director he okay like he made incredible films during the 70s this being like one of his last um he was known for being pretty into drugs and being a little bit wild yeah um some people called him like hashby instead of ashby which uh, i thought was pretty funny um, yeah and then after this he kind of in the 80s he'd made like three or four more films and they never really like landed yeah. um so to say that yeah. we've been talking a lot about 70s films i think there's nobody more 70s than hal ashby to be discussing which is great 
Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, he died in 1988, and yeah, and yeah, so this was kind of his last big, you know, yeah, you know, Oscar run like big press push and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, Sean I, Penn ded- apparently dedicated his first film as a director to Ashby and John Cassavetes. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's awesome, and it just. It made me just want to go and watch his other films, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, me too. Yeah, because, you know, with knowing that uh, Peter Sellers, you know, wanted to make this film for so long and, you know, is, is you know, this whole movie rests on the shoulders of Peter Sellers and his performance. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's hard to know... Um, you know, how much influence Ashby had as a director. I mean, I assume it was a lot, you know, yeah. like he's, he's a good director, but, um, I'm probably more, I guess I would say more on the other things we were talking about, like the, the cinematography and just the pacing and like, you know, how long those shots stay on like the, yeah. the commercials and the TV stuff and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that stuff would not be working as well without Ashby's no. direction, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I think he's brilliant and I want to see all of his other stuff now. Yeah. And I think that it's a film that, like I said at the top, it's not really immediate. It's not like I came out of it being like, okay, I know that film now, you know, as soon as I finished, I was like, I feel like I need to see that again. Yeah. Cause yeah. I don't, I don't think that I fully got everything that it was trying to yeah. say. There's so much yeah. nuance to it that I probably missed a lot Yeah, that was discussed, you know? I guess maybe that's kind of how I felt with Badlands last week. It was just hard for me to really know what I thought about it. Yeah. Because um, I think there was a lot of nuance, a lot of subtleties, and yeah. you know, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Yeah. So I know we've been talking a little bit, but I do want to get your interpretation of the ending. So yeah, for um, anyone that I... hasn't seen it, the the film ends with... Benjamin, who's the husband of Eve, um, he dies and it's his funeral. And they're all kind of, all the political consultants, I guess, are kind of talking about who's going to run for president and they put forward chance. Um, and then it cuts to him kind of walking through the gardens. Yeah. And then he walks on water, like literally walks across the lake. All right, let's cut real quick. Let's, let's cut the show real quick. <laughs> yeah anyways so <laughs> um we had a little technical difficulty so we cut just then for a second but basically the ending where you know he walks on the water i was just like my reaction was just like okay so he's jesus yeah like christ is returned like this is what we're doing um yeah and i, f- I just think it was probably like one of those things where like the whole movie you're supposed to be interpreting what's going on, you know, as a viewer and it just, the movie requires you to interpret it how you want, how you need to or think it should be. And that's just one of those things that's like, I don't, it feels like a gotcha moment. Like try to figure this one out, you know, like, I don't know if there was a point. Yeah. To me, it was just like, like this guy, like everyone is making this guy out to be so great that he can literally walk on water now. 
Ah, okay. You know, all these people are like, he should be the next president, you know? Yeah. So he's literally just walking on water. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it was a very, as soon as that happened, I was like, because my first thought is, is he supposed to be Jesus? And I was like, no. Like that, I don't know if that it, would that. I don't. Well, know. now that now that you say that, that like it's the other it's the other people bringing him up. It's yeah. like that that actually ties into the comment on American society, right? Because a yeah. lot of people, when there's a presidential race, whoever is their person, they they become so infatuated with them that they're blinded. They they can do no wrong, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, there's whoever their presidential candidate is, they think that it's like Jesus. They mm-hmm. they literally will put them on such a high pedestal that they're standing next to Jesus, and it's like, yeah. actually, it's just a person. Yeah, who doesn't even know what they're doing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe that's that's what it was trying to say, and now that, you know, if it is, then it's like, oh, you know. I get the, it. It actually, yeah, I get it now. It's yeah. actually a really interesting uh way to to do it yeah i wonder if you and i are the first ones to crack that code probably not (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but maybe i mean hey all our listeners will be the first to hear you know the real ending of being there explained (laughs) ending explained Uh, that is really interesting yeah um I, i i can't wait to watch this again I yeah. just need, like, now that, you know, there's so many films that now that the initial viewing is out of the way, I'm like, okay, I really want to just have time to sink into this film. Yeah, it is a really great film, and it is on, it's available on Criterion. Yeah. Um, And it was, uh, in 2015, was placed in the Library Con- of Congress, selected, you know, in the National Film Registry. Yeah. Um, Which is cool. So it's an important film. Yeah, I mean, it's a film that, again, I probably wouldn't have picked off the shelf, you know, unless I had really got into Hal Ashby or anything like that. Um, But yeah, dude, knocked out the park. That was a great one. Sweet. It was good. Yeah. Um, So what are we watching next week? It's your pick this time. Yeah, so I've had a real dilemma trying to decide because... Yeah. Like we said last week, Badlands has been there for so long that I was like, I don't have to worry about picking a film for a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and there were so many that kind of almost made it, but the one that I went for, and it's a reason why I didn't really speak with, about it, about Blowout very much at the top of the show, was because um, the film I've picked is Brian De Palma's Body Double from 1984. Okay. Have you seen it? No. Yeah, good. Um, so, as you probably know, I was talking to Zach, our friend Zach, who was on the Play Misty for Me show, yes, um, about it a little bit, and he really likes it because um, I was talking about how De Palma is a director that I don't really know a lot about, and I feel like everything I've seen I've really liked. Um, so he kind of suggested this one for me to watch, and I was like, we should do it on the show. So hopefully we can get Zach involved and he can be on the show next week. Yeah, that um, would be dope. Yeah possibly but yeah it's you know brian de palmer is a director that um i like a lot i feel like he's very hitchcockian right um, yeah which is a big draw for me um and i just like his like the the ones i've seen of his like adult thrillers you know yeah um 
So that's why I've chosen Body Double. It's from 1984. So we're finally out of the 70s. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. We're, gonna, we're diversifying. <laughs> Going into the future of 1984. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I don't think it's one of those films that's on like the best films ever list, but it's a film that I was like, I want to check this out and I want to know what other people think. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I chose it. Sweet. I can't wait, yeah. dude. Yeah. I'm looking forward awesome. to it. I, I haven't, you know, I've, I've probably seen a few of his films, but he's, you know, he's one of those. It's like, you know, you always hear about and people talk about, but I I haven't ever done a deep dive into his work. Yeah. And he's like, you know, his, his contemporaries are like, you know, Martin Scorsese and Spielberg and George Lucas yeah. and all those guys. And, um, yeah. So who I love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, good, good. Well, I think we're at the end of our show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you can find us again on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Film Church Radio, all the social medias at Film Church Radio. Uh, you can follow us individually on Letterboxd. Uh, mine is at Selman Scope and Lewis is at Walker Lewis 3007. Um, and there you can keep track of what we've been watching. Uh, if there's a you know, a film that you want to know if we've seen it or not, usually it will, if you just search the film on, if if you follow us on Letterboxd and then you search the film, it'll show you whether or not we've watched the film. And then uh, if we have and you want to know what we think about it, you can just send us a message on one of the social media platforms and maybe we'll talk about it in our little quick reviews or maybe we'll do a full-on uh, show about a movie. Yeah. That someone suggests. So be sure to uh, follow us and... All of our episodes are streaming on all the podcast platforms. So if you have Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, all that kind of stuff, Audible, um, you can find us there. Lewis, do you have a claim? I have no claim. I don't even know what a claim looks like. I'll have to show you sometime. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next Sunday. Bye. Bye.